We want to thank you for joining us for our series on the Holy Spirit, Enabling Power. We pray that you will allow God to speak to you in a new way. So sit back and be blessed. God's greatness wants to be poured forth in each one of your lives. And we truly believe here in this house that the Holy Spirit is a vital subject. It's a vital subject. We've got some nurses in the house. Your vital organs or your vitals are very important because if your vitals are not going, guess what? Your heart's not going. Your life's not going. They check your vital signs. Is there a pulse? Is there a heartbeat? Is things happening in your life? We truly believe that the Holy Spirit is vital for your walk with Christ. It's an enabling power for your life. And so much has been mistaught. So much has been misrepresented. And that's why this month we are presenting to you the truth. Why not hear the truth of this? Why not open up your heart to be able to receive the truth into your life? The truth is this. Are you ready? God wants you to live in victory. God wants you to have a victorious life. And Jesus died not only for a past experience. How many remembers when you got saved? It was a past experience, wasn't it? But Jesus didn't just die for that experience. Jesus died for your present experience, right where you're at now. Also to be your future experience in your life. And how we live in the present, in the future, I believe, is solely that by whether we're really allowing the Holy Spirit to rule and reign in our lives. Because that's where the victory comes present and future into each one of our lives. We need to be baptized with the Spirit of God for that to truly take place, for the Helper to come. I need help. Some of you are like saying, Amen. He needs help. He needs help. I need help in my life. And I thank God that He said, I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to send the Helper, the one that's going to lead you into all truth and to bless your life. So last week we began this series talking about the who. Who is the Holy Spirit? We discovered this. The Holy Spirit is a person, but He's the person of God for right now. So the Holy Spirit is the person of God for your life right now. Not Bible times. Thank God He was around then too, but He's still around today. He's still here with each one of us. On Wednesday night, we talked about the baptism, about being filled with power from an eye, having an evidence in your life that you are baptized. We believe the evidence is speaking with other tongues. We gave six key truths on Wednesday about being baptized. And my favorite was number six. Are you ready for it? Is this, everyone can receive everyone's included. It's not an exclusive club that you've got to make a certain amount of money. You've got to be saved a certain amount of time. You've got to dress a certain way. God says, whosoever, come on, whosoever would come. And all we need is salvation. Then after that, it's part of the package deal. Look at your neighbor and say, package deal. Package deal. If you weren't here Wednesday, you don't know what we're talking about. That's why you don't need to miss church. But you can play catch up either by CD. We've got some CDs printed off and and duplicated from Wednesday night. Also, you can listen on the website. But Acts 1 verse 5, this is what Jesus says. He says, John truly baptized with water. 
But you shall be baptized. Where does the term baptism come from? We see it right here. Jesus himself says that you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So today I want to talk about the what. We talked about the who. We talked about the baptism. But we're going to talk about the what today. Not as in an abstract form of what is he but what He wants to be in every one of your lives. What the Holy Spirit can do for you. Aren't you glad that He wants to do something for you? Come on, He he wants to make you, He wants to be what you need because He is what you need. Come on, He's what you must have in your life. He's what you're missing in your life. So today we're going to talk about the what the what, the what he is through scripture and how he can be in each one of our lives. Look at this statement. He is the power to live. He is the power to serve. And he is the power to be. The power to live. What does that mean? Every day in my life, the Holy Spirit can enable me to be victorious, to live an overcoming life. Does that mean I get it always right? No. But does it mean that I can have the strength to do right and overcome those things? You better believe it. So what is the Holy Spirit? What is He in my life? He wants to be the power for me to live. Then also He's the power to serve. That I can be a witness. That I can glorify God through the actions of my life. The greatest testimony that you can give is not what you say. It's what you are. It's what you are, because words come and words go, but our life should be constant. And our lives should be the testimony. So a power to live, a power to serve, being a witness, being involved in God, and then a, a power to be, to fulfill the potential and the purpose that God has for each one of your lives. Our vision includes that. The vision of our house is this, where life starts, love happens, and purpose, His purpose is revealed, is released inside of your life. We really believe that God has a purpose for your life, an implementation of His power to come in for your life to serve a purpose, to be what God has called you to be. So the Holy Spirit is what you need. It's what I need in my life, period. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Verse 8, here's our theme scripture for the month, absolutely love it, it says, but you shall receive power, notice again personally, he's not talking about his church, he's talking about you, your life, individually, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth or to the entire world. God has called you to be a witness to your world. Your world's different to my world. Doesn't mean you're an alien, doesn't mean you're crazy. It just means the people you come in contact with are different to me. We may interlap, we may intersect in a few ways and we may know some of the same people, but the majority of the people you know outside of this church, I don't know. I may never know unless you invite them to church. And that's what you need to be doing. You need to be bringers and bringing them into the house. But God says the Holy Spirit wants to enable you to be a witness, to impact and to touch your entire 
world. I haven't got time because this isn't really what I'm supposed to be preaching today and I need to move on. But I love verse 6. Look what verse 6 says of Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says to them these words. He says, uh, or they ask Jesus these words. They say, Jesus, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus has talked about that he's leaving and he's going to be gone. And they said to him, but Jesus, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? Because what they were thinking is this. They were thinking that Jesus was going to come in a political way. They were thinking that he was going to come in an earthly way, that he was going to be this earthly king, that he was going to come and he was going to override the oppression that they found themselves in because at this time they were under Roman rule and they were saying, Jesus, when are you going to do this? When are you going to set us free? And I love how the Message Bible presents the answer. Here's what Jesus says in Acts 1 verse 7 and 8 from the Message Bible. He told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. Wow, that would preach right there. I could preach a sermon on that. You don't get to know the time. You don't get to know the time. Why? Because we don't always get to know that. Come on, we don't always get that part. We don't always get it when God doesn't show up when we think He should. We don't always get it when He doesn't show up how we think He should and He should do and, and things happen in our lives. And we can look, think about Lazarus. Jesus shows up four days late and He was given plenty of notice to be there on time, but He shows up strategically late. Strategically. I wonder if anyone's ever been there when you've questioned the timing of God. When you don't always get that and you don't always understand it. But remember this, his delays are not always denials. His delays are not always denials. And you're not always going to get it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not always going to get it. You're not going to understand it all. You're not always going to get it. But here's what you do get. Look at them and say, but here's what you do get. Here's what you do get. Come on, what does he say? Verse 7, he says, you don't get to know the time. The timing is of the Father's business. But what you do get, if you could go back to that previous slide, what you do get is the Holy Spirit. I love that. What you do is you get the Holy Spirit. I may not have all the answers, but I get the Holy Spirit. Come on, that's something greater than my answers because it's going to take me into life, into the blessing. And he says, and when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses. I love that. I may not get it all, but I get it all. Does anyone see what I'm saying? I may not understand it all, but I get it all through the Holy Spirit and through God. Better stop. Can preach that. Could preach that. You and I need Him. We need the Holy Spirit. So what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is your vital ingredient. The vital ingredients of your life. Now, I'm not the greatest chef. I'm not the greatest chef. I can cook a few things. I learned a few things when Kelly was pregnant. She taught me how to cook. I I did a lot of the cooking during that time. I I can cook a good spaghetti now. I can cook some great stuff. I can cook pork chops. Luke says I cook them better than his mom. Just saying, just saying. Luke said it, not me. Just, Just saying that. Okay. I don't cook that great. But I know something, and that is this. There are certain vital ingredients that's needed when you cook. There are some things that you really need. What I mean by that is some things cannot be substituted. If it says you need an egg, you need an egg. 
If it says you need two eggs, then you need two eggs. Ask Maddie and Cara. They can tell you all about that. They tried to bake something for us one time. Didn't have enough eggs. And let me tell you something. It was nasty. (laughs) Nasty. Why? Because you can't miss the vital and it's going to taste good. Come on, if you're cooking crawfish etouffee, what is the vital ingredient? Crawfish. If you don't have crawfish, you just have a gravy. You just have something that it's not right there. The vital ingredient is is what makes it what? It's what makes it what it's supposed to be. God, the Holy Spirit, is the vital ingredient of your life that He wants to make you better than a gravy. He wants to make you something that is incredible that people can look at and be around and say, "Mm mm-mm, tastes good. People can look at us and say, wow, I want what they've got. Because to leave out what's vital is to affect the entire outcome. We teach, we preach, we believe from God's Word. And we believe that's what happens in our lives when we leave out God's promise of the Holy Spirit. When we miss the vital ingredient because it's He who makes us what we're supposed to be. So today I want to discover the what the Holy Spirit's role has been throughout the entire Word of God. Which now wants to live out through our lives today. Starting in creation, we're going to go through the Old Testament into the life of Christ, into the early church, and then we're going to end at your life and what He wants to be for you. So let's start. Point number one is this, the what of creation. The what of creation. It doesn't take us long to see the involvement of the Holy Spirit in the beginning, in the creation of this world. Genesis 1 verse 1 and 2 says, In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Here's the first mention of the Holy Spirit. He's doing what? He's hovering over. I love that picture. He's literally posed. He's ready for action. He's waiting for instruction and direction. He's hovering. He's hanging out. He's ready. What do you need me to do? What can I do? Where Where do you need me? Send me. What, 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 what? He is posed right there waking, waiting. The New Living Translation talks of the world being empty in a formless mass, cloaked in darkness. But what? God's Spirit was there. God's Spirit was there. Psalms 104 verse 30 says, You sent forth your Spirit, the Holy Spirit. They are created and you renewed the face of the earth. So here's the picture we get from creation. The Holy Spirit is actually the dynamo. He is the generator. He is the power source of the Godhead that creates, that brings into being the spoken word of God. As God speaks, the Holy Spirit performs. He builds, He generates, He creates. He's a power that changed. He's a power that created. He's a power that establishes. And we think He can't handle our problems. He is more than able to handle our problems. When God spoke, the Holy Spirit did. When God said, let there be a tree over there, bam, the Holy Spirit produced a tree. Don't think that the things and the circumstances of our lives are above God. Because He is able to do it. 
So creation in a nutshell worked like this. God gave the orders and the Holy Spirit did the job. And he did a good work because God every day would say, it's good, it's good, it's good. Come on, the Holy Spirit is about doing a good work in your life. He's about doing a good work inside of your life. At God's command, he made the whole world a thing of beauty to be lived in by man. Each day he performed his specific task till on day seven, God could rest. God didn't rest because he was tired. God rested because there was completeness. God rested because it was done. By what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the beginning brought about a completion that God could rest and say it's taken care of, it's handled, it's handled. Then as we look into the Old Testament, what is the what of the Old Testament? How is the Holy Spirit present? How do we see him as the what of the Old Testament? It doesn't take us long again as we read through the Old Testament, specifically as he would come and empower individuals for a specific task and purpose. It wasn't till the day of Pentecost when Jesus came and filled them that the Holy Spirit would remain. Up to this time, the Holy Spirit would come and he would would go. He would empower people for a specific task. Throughout the Old Testament, we see this. Let's highlight a few individuals today. Anyone ever heard of Joseph? Not talking about the husband of Mary. He's another one. Joseph, who had a dream. He dreamt some dreams. He was the younger brother. The dreams he dreamt weren't right for a younger brother because he dreamt he was the ruler. He dreamt that his brothers would bow down and worship him. He dreamt that his mother and father would bow down and worship him. That wasn't part of their culture. The older brother was the one that was to rule. He was the younger, not the youngest. He had a younger brother than him, but he was number 11 out of the 12. He was down there at the bottom. And, but yet God gave him a dream. And because of the dream, his brothers hated him. The Bible says that they looked for opportunity to kill him, to destroy him. And one day they found the opportunity. But yet in the midst of getting ready to kill them, they thought, hold on a second. If we kill him, we get nothing. If we sell him as a slave, then we can get some money in our pockets. We can make some, pro- we can make some interest off of his life. So they sold him, got paid for doing it, and they're thinking, God, great, God has to be in that. Joseph was sold. He was promoted. Then he was accused. He was imprisoned, but then he found himself second in charge. What a roller coaster ride that he found in his life. But one day when he stands before Pharaoh as he has interpreted a dream that there was going to be famine, look what Pharaoh says in reference to the life of Joseph. In Genesis 41 and verse 38, Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such one as this? A man in whom is the Spirit of God. Pharaoh recognized the life of Jesus, or Joseph, what he was able to accomplish. No man could do that with his natural ability. But there had to be something more. And Pharaoh recognized that God, the Holy Spirit, was present in the life of Joseph, enabling him. So the Holy Spirit, throughout the entirety of Joseph's life, gave him the strength, the wisdom, and the insight. How about Gideon? Anyone ever heard about Gideon? Gideon, that's not the people who give you the Bibles. That's where they came from. 
But Gideon, he's the least of his father's house, which is incidentally is the weakest clan. In other words, in man's eyes, Gideon was the lowest of the lowest from the lowest. Doesn't get much worse than that. In fact, he was looking up on the bottom pretty low. But an angel appears to him and says to him, you're going to be the deliverer. He can't even believe it. He says, what mean? You must have the wrong person. He's looking around saying, how can I be? Because I'm the lowest of the low and I'm even lower than that. But God promised him, I'm going to be with you. He was speaking of his Holy Spirit. And God instructed Gideon that took an army of thousands and thousands of people down to 300 men. And 300 men would face an army that the Bible says was too many to count. If I'm going against an army that's too big to count, I need more than 300 men in the natural. But God says, no, that's what I'm going to deliver. Because God told him, if you go with a force, then that's going to be the deliverance. But when you go with this, I'm going to be the one who's going to be the deliverance. I'm going to be the one that's seen. And God says to Gideon, and furthermore, here's the deal. Put your sword to your side because you're not going to need that right now. Because what I need you to grab is a trumpet in one hand and a glass jar in the other and put a little light in the jar. And he divided the people into groups of 103 different areas, surrounded the enemy. And he said, when you hear the blast, begin to blow your trumpet, smash the jar, wave the light around. So here they are, 300 men against an army, blowing trumpets, waving flashlights. And as they did that, what happened? The enemy turned on themselves. They began to consume themselves. They killed themselves. You don't just do stuff like that. You've got to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, that doesn't happen. How about Joshua? He was the successor of Moses. Numbers 27 verse 18 says this, The the Lord said to Moses, That Joshua the son of Nun with you, he is a man in whom is the Spirit. Lay hands on him when Moses was going to be removed. God said, that's the one I want to take your place. It's someone who knows what it is to be led by the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to move in his life. And out of the two million people plus... He signaled out, singled out to lead the children of Israel into their promised land. How about Samson? Anyone ever heard of Samson? Most of the time we know about Samson because of Delilah. But Samson was more than just that. He was the strongest man probably that has ever lived. But his strength, I believe, wasn't in his rippling muscles and what he had. It wasn't in his six-pack. It wasn't in those things. Why? Because if he was rippling with muscles and he had a six-pack and he had all these things, why would man question where his strength came from? They would say, we can see it. But I believe he was just like every one of us, that he looked like us. And But all of a sudden, and the Spirit of God would come upon him and he would do miraculous things that the power of God would come upon him. One day he picked up the jawbone of a donkey. Think about that, killed a thousand men. These weren't sissies, these were soldiers. These were warriors, these were big fighting men. He killed men. You don't kill a thousand people in the natural with a jawbone of a donkey when they've got swords and spears and armor. It's the Holy Spirit that came upon him. Supernatural ability as the Holy Spirit came upon him. But there's something also very important that we must note and see with Samson. We've got to remember it's not about the power. 
But it's always about the source. Because when we become power orientated, guess what happens? We mislead or we misuse our strength for the wrong things. We've got to be connected to the source because when Samson made it only about the power, he misused his strength and ability. God gives us, God gave Samson his Holy Spirit for what reason? To bring glory to him. For God's glory, not for our own pleasure. And as a result of Samson misusing what God had given him, he died prematurely. He died prematurely. And he died before, I believe, his time. And he died without fulfilling what God had destined for his life to fulfill. There are so many more. Daniel, Esther, Ruth, Saul, Jonathan, my favorite David. He wrestles with a lion and a bear. You don't run after a lion. You run away from a lion. You don't grab a bear by its beard and begin to wrestle with it and say, give my sheep back to me. You say, take that sheep, get out of here. Uh, uh, That's fine. I'll count my losses. David, no. The Holy Spirit came upon him. I guarantee at first thought he kind of took a step back, but the Holy Spirit came upon him and he ran after, grabbed a hold, and later he defeats a giant. Why? Because he says it's not about me, but it's about God. It's about the Holy Spirit. We also see in the Old Testament that God's Spirit would come upon men, that they were instructed as they would write the Word of God, that God would inspire them. The inspiration, God breathed, the Holy Spirit would come upon them. Second Peter 1 verse 21 says, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. What a powerful presence made available to equip ordinary people just like us. But I also must add this, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit's role was also as a regenerative spirit, meaning what? Bringing people back to God, pointing the way towards Christ and the cross, a shadow of what was about to happen. So what do we see in creation? He's there hovering. In the Old Testament, he's there empowering individuals to do Miraculous, incredible things. So what is point number three? The what of Jesus. What is the what of Jesus? Even before his conception, we see the Holy Spirit present and working. Look what it says. Luke 1, verse 34 and 35. Then Mary said to the angel, Are you crazy? Doesn't say that there, but I bet that's what she said. How would you feel if an angel showed up in your house and said, oh, by the way, you're going to have a kid? You would say, you're crazy. What's going on? You're not. Are you crazy? How can this be? She says, I don't even know a man. I'm a virgin. She said, how could this even be possible? And the angel answered and said to her, the what? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And it came to pass, Jesus was born. She gave birth to the Son of God. 
And after his birth, very little is recorded about his early life. In fact, the first 30 years of his life, not much is said. We read of in Luke 2, verse 52, it says this, that Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and men. Incidentally, um, 2.52 basic is the curriculum that we use for our children's ministry, taken from this scripture, that we would teach them wisdom, stature, and favor in the word of God. Great, great thoughts right there, 2.52. But it's also under, during this time that he is under the instruction of his parents. That the Holy Spirit begins to prepare him, that he was taught the word of God. Someone asked a question this Wednesday night, a great question. As a child, what age should we um, present the Holy Spirit to our children? What age can they understand? It's one of those things that there is no definitive answer. Just like with salvation, the Bible speaks of an age of accountability. When a child becomes accountable, what is that age? It's different with different individuals. And if God wanted it to be specific, he would have mentioned that. But here's what we do, and this is what we encourage them. Here's what we see Joseph and Mary did with Jesus. They didn't look at each other and say, do you think he understands by now? They just began to tell him about God. They began to explain the scriptures to him. And that's what we need to do as parents. We need to be ever expanding and opening up the scriptures, giving our children and the opportunity at the time when they're ready, they'll know. Not say, right now, would you teach me? If you wait until they tell you to teach you, you're probably too late. Come on, you need to be teaching them the Word of God. Joseph um, and Mary taught Jesus the Word of God. They instructed him in the way that he should go. Then one day he comes to John to be baptized, and here's where we see the Trinity all present. The three persons of the Trinity, Matthew 3, 16, 17. When he had been baptized, speaking of Jesus, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Notice the Trinity there, Jesus being baptized. The Holy Spirit as the dove that comes down and rests upon him. Then a voice from heaven cries out, the voice of God. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And then it's almost amazing. The very next verse of the first chapter after that, Matthew 4 verse 1. It says these words, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. He's anointed to be able to go into ministry. The Holy Spirit has indwelled him, has come upon him permanently, remained upon him, as John says in another gospel. And now he is led. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does is to lead him into a wilderness. Why? This was his test. It was one that he had to overcome so he would not misuse the power that had been placed upon him for self-gratification or exaltation, but it was for the world. It was to touch other people. It was to minister to other people. And I love this scripture of Acts 10 verse 38. It says, Now God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? The Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. In the life of Christ, we see from his birth that the Holy Spirit was part of the conception. 
through his life as he was baptized, the Spirit of God came upon him, led him. And what? Throughout his whole life, as the Spirit gave him power, he went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed. Showing the fact that God was with him. Jesus lived, he moved, he worked miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit with. The Holy Spirit with which he was filled without measure. Showing each one of us the power that he makes available for every one of us. Do you know the Bible says that greater works than these shall you do in my name? Jesus said that. Greater works than these. Greater things. Greater things, what he meant by the greatness is the multiplication of it. That every one of us has the ability now to be able to lay hands on people and to see them recover. Every one of us has the ability by the Holy Spirit to live that victorious life that we can touch other people around us. The process of multiplication, doing a greater work throughout the entirety of this world. Because of his life, death and resurrection, he made the way possible for our lives, for you, for me. Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. He was raised in the Holy Spirit. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He went forth in the Holy Spirit throughout his entire life and earthly ministry. Number four, the what of the early church. The what of the early church in Acts verse one and uh, Acts chapter one verse eight. Again, we read, "But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be powers. You shall be witnesses unto me into the whole world." Acts two verse four, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The promise was given, and now they were filled. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. This is what was promised to them in the Old Testament. Now it was sent. Now they were living in the fulfillment, giving them strength and power to what? To live, to serve and to be. In one day, 5,000 people were added to the church. God daily multiplied those to his church. How awesome was that? What an incredible church growth going from 120 to 5,000 in one day. Wow. Wow. But notice this. Growth was not because of the, what? Wasn't because of the external. Growth was because of the internal. Growth was because of the internal, not the external. What do I mean by that? Thank God we've got nice buildings and thank God we can put all programs, but that's not how you grow a church. How you really grow a church is by the what of the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit changing lives, working in people's lives. Because Jesus said, my church is not a building. People are my church. You are the temple. You're what makes the body of Christ. And we've got to understand this church didn't just grow by the manifestations of what happened. The miracles, that was all good. But church really grew in the early days because of the change that took place inside of each person that they were changed, that they were transformed, that as they began to share that transformation with other people, guess what? Things began to happen. The Holy Spirit moved upon people who weren't special, but they were just those who were willing to be used. He came upon them. He came upon ordinary people. Now they had something extraordinary to give. Come on. They had extraordinary giftings and abilities. Why? Because of the change that took place in 
inside of their lives. Peter and John one day said, silver and gold I don't have. Acts 3 verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. You know what he's saying? I've got the power of the Holy Spirit that now lives inside of me. And what I now have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I wonder how many times they passed him before. The guy sat at the temple tells us that every day they would go to the temple. So even if a week has transpired, they've passed this guy at least 14 times. They've passed him going in and they've passed him going out. It's probably a whole lot more times than that. I guarantee they've passed this guy so many times that he knows their name. What up, boys? What's going on? He knows them. He's a permanent feature. Everyone knows the lame man sitting at the gate. But all of a sudden, something different possessed Peter and John now. Something different filled them. A change had taken place inside of them. Now when they began to walk past, they stopped and hold on a second. We don't have silver and gold and we're tired of you asking us for money every day we come past. But let us tell you something. We've got something greater because we can give you 10 bucks that will buy you a happy meal, but you're going to be hungry again tomorrow. But let me give you something greater that I have inside of me in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Let me create the ability inside of you to be able to provide for your life and be what God wants you to be. How? What changed? They had the Holy Spirit. It was the what of the Holy Spirit inside of them that made a difference. Instead of just meeting a need, they were able to change a life. And even with persecution you would read of in the Bible, they didn't keep silent. What would you pray? I'll just be honest with you. Here's my prayer. When people come against me and people persecute me, here's what I pray. God, would you silence them? Anyone else pray that most of the time? God, would you just shut them up? God, you're going to fight for me. God, you're going to take care of me. God, just handle them and take care of them. You know what they prayed? They didn't pray that God would handle them. They prayed that God would refill them. As in the ones who were being persecuted. Look what it says in Acts 4, 29 through 31. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. Notice what they're asking. God, don't handle them. Handle us. God, we need what? More of your Holy Spirit. They said that we may see by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through your name in the Holy. What they were saying is they're trying to stop us, God, but give us a greater power that we can go about doing more. And when they had prayed, guess what? The place where they were standing, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is the same group from Acts chapter 2. They're not being what filled for the first time. They're being refilled. And what have they asked for? God, give us a greater boldness in our lives. What do we need? We need more of your Holy Spirit. We need more of you. Creation. Old Testament. The life of Christ. The early church. And My message is nearly done because number five is up to you. Because number five is the what of your life. It's for you to determine and it's for you to write. The same what that we saw in creation that as God spoke, he brought the world into existence. 
that same Holy Spirit can be the what of your life. The Holy Spirit that would come upon Samson, that would come upon Esther, that would come upon Gideon, that caused them to do extraordinary, miraculous things. He wants to be the what of your life. Come on, a power that went about as Jesus walked on this earth, touching, healing, delivering, sailing free. That's the what that wants to be present in your life. The what of the early church when they didn't know what to do, but they cried out and said, God, give us a greater boldness that we could speak your name in a greater way. Come on, that wants to be the what of your life. The what of your life. If David in the Old Testament could say these words, 2 Samuel 22 verse 30, For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. If he can say that with just being touched by the Holy Spirit and not having the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, my God, what can your life say today? What can your life accomplish? What can you be today? I'm telling you right now, God never died upon a cross for you to be bound by alcohol and drugs. God never died upon a cross for you to be sick and lame. Come on, God never died for you to have these things. The what of the Holy Spirit can come upon you that can cause you to be victorious and live. That the testimony of your life can sound something like this. Nothing is impossible right now. With God, all things apostle. Why? He's the what of my life. He's what I need in my life. He's the vital ingredient. And when I've got the what, come on, get ready, devil, because nothing is impossible and we can see God move. He's what you need in your life. He's everything you need. He's the vital ingredient, giving you the power to live, the power to serve, and the power to be. So what's next? So what's next? It's up to you. It's available. It's a gift. But a gift must be received. Receive the gift. The what of God. The Holy Spirit that wants to empower, enable, deliver and set free your life. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Precious Jesus. How many received that today? Come on, the what of God, the Holy Spirit, a power from on high, a power from on high, the Holy Spirit. Come on, I need your Holy Spirit. Just begin to say that right now. Come on, we need your Holy Spirit. Come on, you you may be anti this and it may be still a struggle for you, but here's what we've prayed and asked throughout the course of this. Just open up your hearts to receive. Just allow your heart to override your mind that can have the questions and the doubts. Just open up and say, God, I want to receive everything that you have for me. God, I want to receive, God, everything that's available through your spirit, by your power, by your anointing. I want to receive that. I want the what? I want the vital ingredient. Come on, I want that ingredient. That's the Holy Spirit in my life. Yes, we need God for salvation. But then we need the Holy Spirit to live saved. Did you hear me? We need Jesus for salvation. But we need the Holy Spirit to live saved, to be the witness, to be what God has called us to be. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit enabling power. Our prayer is that you've been challenged in a new way today. If you need anything or just someone to talk or listen, we're here for you. Call us at area code 225 274 
1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us or visit our website at www.hflc.us. And remember, when you put God first, everything you do will prosper.